This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, diamond, diamond. Experience! Welcome to another episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond. And if you haven't yet, be sure to check out both of last week's episodes. The first featuring camera operator, Steve Matzinger. We had a nice conversation about what goes into the camera department um, in film, television. And he's been in the industry for over 30 years and has a really extensive resume. Really informative chat. And I also did a bonus episode where I reviewed the Super Mario Brothers movie. And if you'd like me to do more reviews or have more uh, roundtable discussions on the show about you know, just certain directors, uh, certain movie franchises, or just individual movies in general, uh, just write me at ddiamondpodcast at gmail.com or you can head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast and find all the information you need there. But for this week's show, I'll be chatting with actor, writer, and director Brandon McLemore. Uh, His latest film, Dark Entities, was just released on streaming. Uh, Just listen to the episode and you'll be able to find out um, where you can watch it. Um, The link will also be in the show notes as well. But we had a nice conversation. It turns out that uh, he's located not too far from me, which is... Uh, actually quite surprising because I'm so used to chatting with filmmakers in Los Angeles, um, sometimes in New York, occasionally Atlanta or somewhere like that. So it was really encouraging to hear that because, you know, with the advancement of technology in filmmaking, you can really make a film anywhere as long as you can find the right resources, find the right people, um, the right amount of help, a good kind of help. Um, so that was a it was a really encouraging conversation. It was great getting to to pick his brain about making a feature film as someone who hasn't done that yet. It was good to kind of get some inside knowledge on that. And he was just great to chat with. And hopefully you guys will enjoy hearing it. So here is my conversation with Brandon McLemore. <laughs> Here with my very special guest this week, actor, writer, and director, Brandon McLemore. Brandon, how are you? Hi, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we were just talking off air that, you know, I'm so used to to interviewing people who live in like New York or Los Angeles or somewhere on the West Coast, but you're only like six or seven hours north of me. So that that's pretty crazy. Yeah, we're, uh, this area is really growing, I think, um, especially with the boom and in the South and in Atlanta and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because it's like I, with technology now, you know, you don't have to just be in LA to make movies. You can be in Atlanta. You can be in Huntsville. You can be in Memphis, Nashville. You can be really anywhere. And as long as you can find the resources, you can make a, a feature, you can make a short, you can make really whatever you want. So it's, do you find that as a a little bit of an advantage that you're not in Los Angeles? Uh, In some ways, I think so. Um, Of course, I mean, you have more 
you know, people with experience in the business, if you're out in an area like that, but um, you have so many eager people here that have the talent uh, that don't really get the chance to do that. And then, you know, it's probably cheaper to do it here uh, rather than somewhere out in LA or New York. Um, you know, and it's probably much easier to get a permit to film somewhere and everything like that. So, uh, you know, I didn't really face any major challenges. I feel like filming in, in the area that I'm in, uh, in, in North Alabama. So, uh, you know, I, I'm happy with uh, how everything's gone. Yeah. And I could probably imagine also that with this not being Los Angeles and you go to a location, you're like, Hey, we'd love to, to film a movie here. You know, they're probably more excited about it. Like in LA, it's probably like that happens on Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, cause I know with my shorts here, you know, we filmed in a local restaurant for my most recent one and they were all about, you know, letting us use their location. Like they thought it was a really cool thing to, is that something that you've experienced as well? Yes, we uh, we we have several uh, different locations within the film, uh, and I remember especially the antique store. Uh, it was run by two little old ladies, and they were just you know ecstatic to have us filming in there. And uh, I think they went in and made sure everything was all spruced up and looking as best as possible before we went in, so their shop you know looked beautiful on the screen and all. Uh, so yeah, people are way more intrigued when you come to them and say, you know, Hey, we would like to use your location, uh, in our film. Uh, you know, I think in a way it's something that they just don't expect. Whereas, like you said, in LA, it's probably a, this again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get into your film, dark entities, I wanted to start at the beginning because I, I say this pretty much at the start of every episode, there's not an how a how to guidebook on how to be a filmmaker. Like there's no set path to do it. So what was it that drew your interest in film and what made you want to pursue it? Well, uh, I guess first off, I kind of got my interest from my dad who uh, he's also in the movie and our cinematographer, but he studied film and has been working on film since the 1980s. Um, so that's kind of my introduction into it. And then uh, from just a young age, I was introduced to pageants and plays and musicals. Uh, so I kind of you know, already had that side of things as well. Um, and then about, oh, wow, how long has it been now? Uh, 14 or so years ago, uh, that's kind of when we started making little short films. And then it grew uh, into uh, now our, our big feature, Dark Entities. Uh, but of course, with Dark Entities, uh, we came up with the idea again several, several years ago. Um, and of course, I love writing and everything. So it's it's a lot of different facets of things that I like that have just come together uh, between the acting, the writing, the directing and so forth. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's not just a straightforward, hey, I studied this at film school, which I did. My undergraduate degree was in broadcasting. So, again, I, I got professional training in a related field. Um, so, and again, just like I said, it's, it's a lot of different uh, strings coming together to make, uh, to get me into it. And you make a good point because I, I did the same thing. You know, my major in college was in video broadcasting. Like it was more of a television degree. And right. there, there are, there are differences in film, but I still feel like if you do broadcasting, you get, 
a little bit of an understanding to where you're not just going in, you know, blindsided by so many things when you're on a film set. Like you can get some sort of a training. So no, I I can totally can totally relate to that. That's that's really cool. Uh, you said that you had the idea for Dark Entities several years ago before you guys actually made it. What was it that made you decide to to take the chance and say, hey, I want to make this movie happen? Well, uh, and again, it's kind of a long process. It was, uh, you know, 10 or 12, 10 to 12 years ago when we came up with the idea. Uh, but, you know, we were just we were working on other things. It was just an idea we had had and we just let it kind of sit. Um, and then about 2015, I got the idea to just write it into a script. I, I didn't even necessarily have the intention of filming it. I just thought, well, hey, this idea is sitting around. Um, why not just try to write a script around it? And it just as a kind of a creative outlet for me at the time uh, while I was still in college. Uh, so, yeah, that's just kind of how that started. And then I worked on that just on and off several years. And once I finally got a script and uh, we read it and we we liked it, we decided, well, hey, we'll actually try to turn this into a movie and do a huge feature length film because uh, a lot of our stuff had been in the short department and uh, we wanted to branch out and do features. Uh, and yeah, we were happy with the script. So about two and a half years ago, that's when we started uh, filming. And of course that was a challenge in itself at that time, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's kind of the, the general how it got started. Did you intend for it to, like when you started writing the script, did you have the intention for it to be a feature or did it just evolve into that? Yes, I wanted it to be a feature. I thought from the beginning that this was a feature length idea that uh, I could really expand on. And of course, at the time, uh, you know, supernatural horror films were really popular. Uh, and then I I was really into 1970s horror films and especially the supernatural things. So, and again, that that's kind of, uh, all around the same time coming together to become what was or what is Dark Entities. And it's interesting you say that because, you know, and I, I don't want to give away spoilers for uh, anyone who has, well, the movie will be out by the time that the show's released, but not to give spoilers, I really liked the opening titles of the film because it took me back to like the, <laughs> the 70s and you know, even earlier than that even with like the little credits at the very bottom of the title card, I'm like, this is really cool. Like it, it, it had that type of feel immediately. Yeah. So that's, we, that's really cool. Yeah. We, we really went to lengths to make sure we did as much as we could to make it feel, you know, vintage or retro in its own way while still, you know, kind of maintaining a modern feel, but you know, like you said, even down to the little copyright year and everything at the bottom of the title credits, because you, you look at films from, you know, probably the eighties and before. And that, that's very common on a lot of films on the title card to, to have that little bit of information. And, you know, we looked at fonts and everything that would have been more common in that era uh, and, and tried to work that into it. Yeah. And it, a lot of filmmakers may not do the little nuances like that. Cause I, I look for that kind of stuff in movies. Like if you're trying to capture a certain feel or a certain period. I, I tend to look after, I, I say that, you know, broadcasting school ruined my filmmaking ability as a fan because I'm watching like, okay, how did they light that? Or how, right. how was, what was the camera set up? Like when they did this, you know, really complex shot, 
But the little nuances like that, to me, just add so much. Like, they're not necessary, but they add so much to the feel of the film. Right. Yeah, the authenticity, because, and again, that's what we were really going for, even, you know, down to the costumes and everything being authentic 70s clothing. Um, So, you know, we didn't want to miss any little detail here and there, whether that was in the clothing or in the sets or, like you said, in the just the opening credits. Right. So talk to me about the process you went through as a director. Did you know from the beginning, like, hey, I want to direct this? And were were you nervous at all going into it? Uh, Yeah, I did know at the beginning that I wanted to direct it. Um, The acting actually came a little later and was kind of uh, brought on by the COVID thing and trying to limit how many people were on set, which created its own challenges because, you know, it's hard to run a set with limited crew and everything else. Um, so yeah, I went in knowing I wanted to direct it and I, I had a really strong idea of, you know, even when writing it, I had strong ideas in the scenes of, Oh, I can already see this shot, you know, going through here, doing this. Um, I wouldn't say I was just terribly nervous. Uh, I, I had directed some of our short films and all in the past. Uh, of course, a feature film is a totally different beast in itself. Um, but and probably the biggest challenge is splitting the role of director and actor, uh, trying to get in there and, you know, you're directing the other actors, but you're also having to think about your own performance and think about it both from the perspective as an actor and as the director uh, and having to go back and look at takes and everything and making sure that not only are the other actors doing their job, but also you, uh, Which, of course, on the director end, I didn't find that as difficult as on the actor end, having to, you know, get into character and and put myself in that mindset. Whereas, you know, as the director, you're kind of thinking about every single character and uh, their motives. Uh, But it was it was a fun challenge. I I would do it again for sure. (laughs) And I was curious about that, because as someone who acted in the film as well as directing it, I, I was curious about like how you balance the two like you know you've got to think about your own performance but then as the director one of your biggest concerns is the performance of the other actors but right. that that's cool that you were able to 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 do that and you said you would do it again yeah and um really i think one of the biggest things that was beneficial to me was just you know trying to stay organized stay ahead of the game so you know after after one shoot was done, go in and think about the next day and sit down with the cinematographer and everyone and just kind of already plan out what's going to happen. That way, when it comes time, if I if I did happen to be in one of those scenes, we, we already knew what we were going to do. Uh, of course, you know, there's still spontaneity on set. You get on set and realize, ooh, I didn't think about this shot, but this shot would be so amazing. Uh, and that happens so often. And, and it comes down to my my cinematographer who was my dad too having a really good eye for the things and uh yeah he would inform me on something especially if i was in the scene and uh had many great ideas for that well and that's great too that it's i don't think i've heard of a father-son cinematographer and director dynamic before that's that's really cool and it, it but it's it's good though i think because you know with with my latest short film my wife helped me polish the script and right. people were, were asking me, like, was that a bad thing? And I'm thinking, no, that's a good thing because we know how each other think. And right. we're able to play off of each other and 
You know, it's almost like we kind of know where the other person's going as they're saying it. Is is that something that that you found in in working with your dad? Yes, yes. We definitely, you know, understood each other. And sometimes if he would have an idea and start explaining it, you know, I could see exactly what he was going for with it. Um, And it probably helps you be a little more honest with each other uh, rather than, you know, somebody else trying not to hurt somebody's feelings or whatever, which, uh, you know, can be hard not to do, I guess, if you're, you're trying to do something and someone suggests something and you may not like it. Uh, but, you know, we could be honest with each other and say, no, I really don't think that's going to look right. Um, or I really think we need to get this shot. Uh, so for me, I think it helped. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I would concur as someone who's kind of had that dynamic, you know, in a sense, I, I would agree with that. Um, what was the biggest lesson you learned on set of dark entities? Oh, wow. Um, to be prepared for anything, really. Uh, the, the shooting and all actually went pretty smoothly. We stayed on schedule and all. But, you know, once you get into post and you start bringing in other people that, uh, you know, just things happen. You have people that uh, decide they don't want to be part of the project or something else comes up and they can't be part of the project. Uh, and it can slow you down and everything. And especially when you're kind of a small team trying to do so many project, uh, so many uh, jobs at once. Uh, so I would say that's probably the biggest thing is just, uh, be prepared for the unexpected. <laughs> yeah. This analogy was used a couple of weeks ago on the show that you come up with a plan and then you come up with a backup plan. You come up with a backup plan of the backup plan, but then you also are prepared to just rip it and just come up with something else entirely. Right. And that's, that's definitely true. You know, even just down to as simple as planning the scenes, if there's, outdoor shots or something you have to be prepared for the fact of weather um and so you have to have a backup plan for that and and yeah yeah it's being prepared especially as a director you just have to be prepared and try to think of as many of the variables as you possibly can and of course there's always going to be something that comes along and you're like well i plan for everything but that <laughs> and sometimes that's that's just how it goes and you know i, I tell this to people that are are aspiring directors that, you know, you, you are the voice of the set. Like any problem that happens, like people are going to look to you right. to, for a solution. And that's to be a good director, like in addition to just, you know, being able to work with the actors and you get the best performance you can, you also have to be flexible and be like you said, be prepared for anything. Cause chances are things aren't going to go exactly according to plan. Right. And flexible, definitely flexible and, you know, really open. I think sometimes just when you're working with your actors or your crew members of the different departments, um, you know, going into it and especially being the writer too, I just, I had a very strong idea of everything, but at the same time, I think it's important to listen to the actors and crew members because they're artists in themselves and filmmaking is such a a team effort really. Uh, So you know, going ahead, you may have just a strong idea about what the scene should be. But, you know, say your actor comes in and thinks, well, hey, I was thinking about, you know, approaching the character from this way in this scene, I think. And uh, I think that's important to listen to that, because sometimes, again, you may not have thought of that and it could come out much stronger that way. Or, you know, at the very least, I like to at least let them try it. Uh, you know, sometimes we may try it one way and then try it a different way uh, because, you know, sometimes 
you have to get into the edit really to look and see, oh, this performance this way actually worked better. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that too, because you know there there are some directors that they say this is my vision and this is how it's going to be, and it is their right to do that. But I agree with you 100 percent that filmmaking is such a it's it's what I consider to be the biggest team. I know it's not a team sport, but I liken it to a team sport because it's very much the same. It, yeah. it is a very collaborative type of effort, and yeah, everyone who's on set chances are like that's they're there for a reason and they might have a completely different viewpoint and the same thing with with actors you know because they're ultimately the ones that are bringing the characters to life and they might think of a little nuance that adds a whole new layer or a whole new dynamic to the character that you know you never thought of right i've you know i've done musicals and other movies and all and i've had directors where you know they just gave you down to the tiniest movement what they wanted exactly when and and didn't really want to hear your opinion on it just do it and make it work um and, and you know i can understand that if you have a very very strong idea there were some scenes where you know i did have a very strong idea of what it should be and the actors of course respected that but i just know from an actor's standpoint that it can be frustrating when you're trying to breathe life into the character and there's a little nuance you want to bring to it that the director just doesn't want you to even try or won't listen and hear you out at least. Yeah, no, absolutely. I always like to ask this question when talking about a specific project. Do you have any type of like a memorable or a funny onset memory from the set of dark entities? Oh, wow. That sticks out at um, you. I, one thing that I really liked is as crazy as it sounds with it being such a small set because of, COVID and everything. I feel like we really became such a close family. So, you know, we weren't opposed to some, you know, behind the scenes shenanigans. Uh, it was funny with our lead, Elena, who plays the role of Vera, where there were several scenes where she goes into the water and things like that. But then other scenes later, we were filming at a different time. You know, we had to douse her down with the water hose or something. And uh, we always felt bad about doing that because it was cold and we tried to get as warm of water as we could. But, you know, that was kind of funny. But my favorite thing was probably uh, this baby doll. It was the creepiest baby doll that uh, our, uh, the the actor that plays Jackie, the parapsychologist, uh, Angela Moore, she found this doll and brought it in. And we were doing the seance scene and she stole one of the arms off of it and uh, stuck it up there into the shot while we were, while we were <laughs> filming it. And I was in on it. She told me about it, but nobody else was. So it was funny seeing their reactions. And then the baby doll began being planted around the set in random places. So whoever found it, it was terrifying, <laughs> you know, just little fun things like that, that I think is a lot of fun uh, just because we became such a close family during filming. Well, and you always love when that happens, too, because if, if you create a fun working environment, then the cast and crew are going to be invested in the story that you're trying to tell. And it's such a rewarding feeling when that happens. Right. And it's so funny because we, you know, you're filming a horror movie. So the question I always get asked is, oh, is it scary? And, you know, really, it's not. It's it's funny sometimes, actually, because you're, you know, you, you do things in pieces and it's not sometimes you're not really seeing what's happening or, you know, it kind of all gets pieced together later. 
and you're just it's just fun really pretending to be scared of something and it's just you know someone in you know death makeup or something <laughs> coming at you but it's someone you're close friends with uh that's just the fun part of it and it's just funny because people ask all the time is it scary and then it's not really and it's funny because when you when you think of horror films like yeah some of them are scary and some of them aren't as scary but whenever i talk to people who work on a horror set they have the most fun yes. of any other crews that i talk to it's it's so ironic that that's the case i i think it's probably too because you are dealing with darker material um you know, whether it's ghosts or uh, even in ours, you know, the characters have some deep traumas and things like that. And so I think it helps to have a light set and to have fun, on, especially on a horror movie, when dealing with heavier material and darker material, it uh, it just keeps keeps things light. Right. Now, that that totally makes sense. So what's next for you? Do you have any other uh, projects in the works? You know, like I know uh, Dark Entities is will be out by the time this interview is released, but do you have any other projects in the works? Well, uh, we're, we're going to feel the waters and see how everything goes. But just from our premieres and everything, we've had a lot of people asking if, you know, we have ideas on a second part and everything. So we, we're actually in the early stages of working on a possible sequel, uh, there are a lot of ideas we had that we wanted to explore with the first one. Of course, you know, you, there's just only so much you can do in two hours. Uh, so we would love to revisit the characters and this world again and expand on the backstories and things like that there, with all the ideas we had. So we'll see. It's it's something that uh, we're exploring right now. We can't confirm or deny, but it's something we're exploring. That's fantastic. Uh, do you have uh, what would be one piece of advice that you could give uh, to an aspiring director? Um, you know, just go for it, really. If uh, if you're able to, if you have any kind of means for it or, you know, whether you don't have means, you, everybody has to start somewhere. Uh, you know, I started my first thing was a little home movie that was a spoof of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, so, you know, that nobody it's not going to see the light of day, obviously, but uh just practice uh like i said just you know take a home video camera take your cell phone or whatever you need to do get your friends together and uh just practice and push through and try to get your work out there really you know nowadays i feel like it's probably easier than it used to be because of youtube and all the different ways you can get your your material out there uh you know all the time you see of I can think of several uh, examples of people that made uh, short films and put them up on YouTube and then it was discovered by Hollywood and they made a feature film out of it. And a lot of times they bring the director along with it to see their vision through. I have to ask this Wizard of Oz thing that you made. What character did you play? <laughs> oh, no. Well, multiple characters actually, because it okay. was just uh, it was just me and a couple of friends, and uh, you know, hey, it's one I, of those... hey, trust me, I I can understand that. That's that's how I got started too, just getting friends together, and yeah, the stuff may not be great, but you know, you learn and you have fun, and that's yeah, the and, and really thing. That, that's the main thing at that point too, is just kind of learning as best as you can and having fun with it, really. Like I said, it's nothing I would ever want to see the light of day outside of the friends who were in it with me. And it's something funny to watch and look back on and see 
you know? <laughs> so you're goofing off, really, and uh, how far you've come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have a website or social media you'd like to plug, and how can people watch Dark Entities? Yes, um, you can follow Dark Entities on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, if you would like to keep up with just general projects with me, I do have a Mirror Image Productions uh, Facebook page as well. Um, and then uh, Dark Entities will be going up on streaming services. Uh, at this time, I don't know all of the services. Uh, I have seen it floating around Tubi and Roku, and I'm sure there's going to be many others. But uh, you can check on Terra Films website, which is the distribution company, and they will keep it up to date with all of the streaming services. Uh, I think, you know, as it goes along, there will be more added to it and as it grows and expands. So yeah, just uh, just check on the Terra Films page and it should have uh, all of the, the streaming services. Fantastic. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat. This was great. Hey, thank you. I enjoyed it. It was great talking to you. Thank you again to Brandon McLemore for that awesome conversation. Be sure to check the show notes to see where you can find him on social media and where you can watch Dark Entities. For next week's episode, it is the return of the top five list. And I want to give a shout out to listener Wade Vatican for giving me the idea for this month's top five list. Top five TV series finales. I love a good series finale, even if it's not a show that I particularly watch. I'm always curious as to how shows, especially those that run, you know, seven, eight, nine, even 10 years, wrap up that much story within one episode or in a multi-part finale. So that'll be a really fun list to do, really tough one too. So um, be on the lookout for a post on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, Or if you want to email them to me, ddiamondpodcast at gmail.com. But until then, you can check out past episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as YouTube. Head over to linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. It's where you can find where you can subscribe to the podcast, links to the YouTube channel, social media. Everything is in one location, linktree.com slash ddiamondpodcast. And if you, won't, if you don't mind, please leave a review. Uh, the more reviews I get, the more visible I become to the podcasting public for those that are searching for shows about movies um, that might be movie lovers that might be interested in filmmaking. Uh, the more reviews that I have, the more likely it is that this show will be among the top search results. So it definitely does help. It only takes a moment of your time. So if you were to do that, I would very much appreciate it. That's going to do it for this week's show. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next week for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Podcast.